Um, okay, so in the seventies, uh, I, I was think like everybody eight. here knows Arc Tree, where Arc Tree Publishing and um, and what we do. So a lot of this may be entirely superfluous, but I made it, so we're going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> He's a father, if you can tell. <laughs> so um, yeah, Better Angels. Uh, we have at the damn booth now, and uh, I'm swearing, and, and in the warehouse, and my kids are teenagers. I can swear. <laughs> So it's it's uh, it's in the warehouse and it's shipping and mailing to people. Um, we have a lot of people who got it in the Kickstarter or picking it up at the show rather than getting it delivered to them. Um, Which is nice. And we put I put out a call to encourage people to tell me ahead of time so I could plan for that. But if you didn't tell me ahead of time and you still want to do that, then come talk to me. In fact, you can talk to me now. That's awesome. Not have a few minutes. Awesome. And this uh, is the game where the kittens really take it on the chin and they're better angels is not kind to kittens um so yeah better angels is um is greg stoltz's latest superhero game where he kind of deconstructs what superhero games do and um rebuilds them from a very ugly kind of sinister yet funny scratch so uh in better angels you're playing a, a super villain who's Got powers because of demon possession, because demons like their superpowers, and you can make little girls cry. In fact, See, there's the cat again. <laughs> you points for making little girls cry. Oh yeah. Awesome. If the whole idea with Better Angels is, what, is as a player, you're playing like your main character, the mortal who has the superpowers, and you're also playing the demon for the player to your right. And you're trying. You're always trying as the demon. Whenever you get a chance to, to to talk in demon, you're trying to make that player do the worst, most evil, despicable things you can. Yesterday's and, game. And your lever leverage for that is they get more powers the more evil things they wind up doing. Yesterday's game had a terrifyingly good guy for that. He, uh, he, I was alarmed. I'm like, am I watching this guy? Is this going to be like the first step? <laughs> On something that ends with him on on national news, because <laughs> he's just you know knows the exact button to push with everyone. Oh yeah, well of course mom's gonna hug her. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Do you do you know how that works? You are just a housewife after all. <laughs> wow, he's good. Yeah, she's getting away. <laughs> That's great. So, um... Yeah, so that's so that's kind of what you do in Better Angels. It's the the players tend to get the player characters tend to be very uh, dysfunctional and ideally in a funny way. And if it's in a horribly sad, traumatic, pep up pathetic way, then Dennis maybe is that's okay too. Um, <laughs> funny, funny, and horrifying really work well together. The, yeah. the, end, the end game when you do when you get too evil involves like viscera and and human sacrifice on a mass scale. I'm proud so, of you. So it can go from Thanks, know, Dennis. very funny to uh, satirical <laughs> to oh my god, what what what's what happening am I doing? here? I didn't buy into this um, really quickly. Yesterday's game guy almost accidentally parboiled his own daughter in a case of mistaken identity. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. Like, so, one more hit. One more hit. And she's like, if you're pulls like the mask off, it's me, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's Better Angels. So we've got, uh, like I said outside, we've got a lot of um, material going up every week for, uh, for it on the web. New powers, characters, um, you know. We, we, and illustrated. 
Brett so. wrote some really, really fun short stories. Um, short stories yeah. from Better Angels that are both in the book and, and at least one or two that we put on the web that are not in the book proper. And so we've, he, he's, he's ginned up. Uh, so, some of them are, yeah, too. some of them are funny and uh, some of them you know, go from the funny to the bleak with yeah. the, you know, the guy who's like, wow, there is an epidemic of suicides at my high school and I think I can stop it if I take, if I claim I, it was my doing. <laughs> if I tell people that I've got a mind control beam that's making them do it, they won't. Wow. Yeah, so when you work. want the funny side of teenage suicide. <laughs> <laughs> but it would totally work. It would work. Yeah, yeah. Think about what you were like as a teenager. Yeah. If someone said, hey, kill yourself. No way am I doing that. <laughs> You're not the boss no, of me. It, it reminds me of the Chinese, the penis thief supernatural villain that's going around. Have you heard about this? I, I'm not seeing a connection, but <laughs> draw, draw me. It's completely psychological and it spreads. It's like the dancing illness. It, oh, yeah, basically. yeah. Basically, so like someone, hysteria. someone's like, this woman shook my hand on a ferry and now my penis is gone. Oh, and this is an ongoing thing in China and happens every, 20, I swear to God, okay. 20 or 30 years and it spreads out from the major cities and now it moves all over China when once it was just isolated in the cities. And it still confuses me. It's like, how can you think you're... Penis, it's right there. <laughs> I see it. It may be small, but it's right there. Um, yeah, well, and we're already on the penises. Yeah, I'm just so zero, glad I brought them up. Zero to penis. So better angels. <laughs> well, there are penises in better angels. I mean, well, they're implied. I want, I want, I want to know about the super villain going to the bathroom. I want to know about like I gotta go, like in the middle of a battle. I want to. <laughs> I mean, I want realistic... Well, that, that, that's when your demon says to you, I can help you hold that. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to have to do a little something for Wouldn't me. it be nice to never have to go to the bathroom again? Don't, don't they have suits for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Colostomy man saves the day. Speaking of which, then there's God. Yes. And, um, there's a lot of colostomies in this one. And... Uh, yeah, so... Um, we've, uh, of course, we had a year or two ago a new edition... Uh, paperback edition with lots of lots of revisions and um, and lots of editing. You're welcome. And uh, thank you, Shane. Material that we kind of incorporated in from from source books that uh, some of some of a little bit of which I wrote and a lot of which Alan Goodall wrote. And um, because he's um, amazing and brilliant. Yes, and, and was nice enough to call me up and ask me questions I couldn't even answer. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the? I'm like Alan. You just do what you do on yeah. top of that. Have fun. He's good. He's yeah. Very, no, he's very, very accurate. So, um, so with Godlike, our next immediate thing is uh, the Courtyard of Hell, which <laughs> originally this was Alan Goodall when we were running the Kickstarter for the Godlike paperback. Um, he was like, "Hey, why don't I write a scenario for you guys and you can just give it away as a bonus?" I'm like, that's great. Just a little short ten-page thing, right? And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, exactly." 200 pages. Just I've got an idea. It's, it's set in Ortona, and it's in the Italian campaign, and the Canadians and the Germans are just slaughtering each other in this urban fight, and it's going to be really cool, really brief, kind of like, okay, great. So, 160 pages later. <laughs> See, and again, negative Nelly over here guessed 200. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to complain to him when I see him. Yeah. It was only 160. Right. I'm really disappointed. Right. Should have been 200. You failed me, Goodall. Yeah. 
And um, so, so if, if anybody backed the, kick, the, the, the Kickstarter for Godlike and is wondering why they've never seen that free scenario we promised. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> We've been working on it. Um, James Nevitt is, uh, is, is our one roll engine kind of go-to guy. He's, he's taking over for me in spearheading the projects and kind of keeping things moving and keeping things on pace because I've got other responsibilities and, um, and, uh, and so he's been incredibly valuable there. So he and Alan have been working hard on pulling the courtyard of hell together. Um, Alan's uh, Alan's wife, Elena, is actually a good, uh, a really good uh, photo editor, and so she's been doing kind of taking in. A, there's tons of public domain photography yes, out there, that's the way to do it. and so she's been working on a lot of that. And then Todd Shearer, this one is, who's been doing godlike stuff for us for a long time, took a lot of the other photos and has been kind of. Was his first one Saipan? Yeah, Todd. Well, Todd and I worked together for years outside of Arm's Dream, and then I got I asked him if he would take a crack at doing the cover for Saipan in 2006. Oh yeah, he did a great job. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. So I immediately set him to work doing everything I could possibly get him to do. Um, cool. So uh, that's great. Yeah. So so the Courtyard of Hell is going to be a 160 page campaign. And um, it is going to go out, the PDF for it is going to go out free to all the backers that we promised free adventure to. Um, you're just going to get 150 pages more free than <laughs> you bought. Uh, then it'll go on sale. And this print. is why the terrorists hate our freedom. <laughs> uh, it'll go, because it'll it takes go on so sale long to on, download. Uh, print as well. Right. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's urban warfare at its finest with the, with the Canadians and talents in the, that are assigned to assist the Canadians kind of stumbling into this attack on this city that becomes what uh, I think Churchill called it Little Stalingrad because it was so absolutely brutal. And, um, and so, uh, so yeah, cool. it's, it's going to be very, very cool. And then there's that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that still there? Yeah. Uh, Operation Torch. Not the final cover, by the way. Um, Operation Torch <laughs> began in what 2001, something like that. <laughs> when we first put out, when Godlike first came out under the aegis of the company that we best not name to keep Greg from cursing. Um, I'm fine with it. Okay, he says he's fine with it. So They're all to, dead now. So, <laughs> so we're. Oh no, 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 you you misheard. They're only dead to me. <laughs> um, but originally it was like Kidding. oh torch was the you know it was the, uh, the that when the Americans really got into the European war and it was uh, 1942 and 2002's coming up and we can do this thing and it'll coincide with the 60th anniversary and sure. then reality happened so yeah. that didn't and um, but oh, how, the, uh, how long will it be before Godlike has been around longer than the war was? <laughs> that passed a long time. <laughs> Anyway, we have been on this for a while. Right. So Dennis, uh, Dennis did the you know did a lot of initial material and uh, uh, I can't even remember it. Yeah. I, I know I wrote one about a battleship. Yeah, in and, the and harbor another, you had to take down. J W. Um, I don't remember his name. There was another writer who did a bunch of stuff on Sink the Blitz out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he took. And I wrote a I proposal. Corresponded with this guy. No, he, he said, "Do whatever you want with it." Yeah. So, um, but Sink the Lutzow was done like ten years ago, 
and as sort of a preliminary adventure for Torch, and it's very cool. I mean, in Synca, looks how your 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 talents are sort of sent in to deal with this German battleship that's been Goldberg scienced up with what's apparently some kind of talent-powered super gun that you have to sabotage. Um, in Casablanca and, uh, Harbor. But what as as the campaign has evolved, you know, we had other writers, Dean Moyers and Brian Underhill and Sean Fisher, who did a bunch of work for GURPS, um, come up with, you know, flesh it out with other material. So, and then uh, years ago, <laughs> And then eventually, I sort of was noodling around with it for ages and ages and ages, but eventually when we had Alan doing Godlike stuff, it occurred to me, wow, Alan's really good. Yes, hand it to Alan. Alan's a regular guy. Alan doesn't bitch when we ask him to do the impossible. <laughs> Let's give him Torch. Yes. So I did You want to get something done? Give it to a busy person. very happy. So he's, he's banging away at Torch now. Cool all the little pieces together that have been developed separately and then my big outline that I created way back at the outset and he's been kind of clutching them together and then fixing the parts that don't cool. fit. So Torch as a campaign, my original idea for it, and this may change when Alan's done making it good, my original idea for it was because the Operation Torch landings happened at several different locations. They happened in Casablanca and in Algeria, Iran, um, then what we had, I had an idea for was to basically follow two sets of player characters into the landings and into the prep for the landings. So there would be like an early mission that was essentially an espionage mission to find out exactly what the enemy talent's presence is going to be. And so there was, I had this idea for an adventure in Casablanca where you had American talents, maybe you know British or whatever, mainly Americans, because the Americans were kind of spearheading this, and when things were really fucked up, they were the ones who were responsible for fucking it up. Um, the, uh, the you were going to have these American talents who were civilians; they weren't commandos because the Talent Operations Command had barely been formed at this point, and but they were civilians who were brought in essentially to act as spies, and they had no spy training because hardly oh, anybody did at that point. Yeah. Even the OSS had barely been formed. Yeah. And, um, we can use you the know, Basically, they needed talents who could smell talent powers at work, yeah. and they said, we'll have pros on the ground that'll run you, you'll be fine. Yeah, and you just know? leave them there to yeah. cook. <laughs> and, um, and so they're thrust into, into Casablanca, which is you know a very convenient hotbed of horribleness because you have the British Secret Service there who don't want any Americans or even any of the Brits on the ground. And then you had the, the Soviets had their own pre, their own presence there. The Americans had military intelligence guys and diplomats who were sort of being their spies because they didn't actually have a spy agency that knew how to be spies. Um, and so a lot of kind of backbiting and um, risk of betrayal that all it needed was for people to be incompetent and a lot of incompetent people and your player characters in the middle of it. So we, um, we did we did one did you do we still have it where you you get to defend it's Churchill yeah, Stalin's yeah, representative in Roosevelt. So, you, so, yeah. so the idea was that you sort of you have these civilians who first have to go into this mission and then they come out and they get trained to actually do military things after they you know, hopefully survive this initial thing. They don't. Then you've got a landing 
with actual soldiers, you know, and then naturally it's godlike, so there's going to be a little culling on those, <laughs> and you'll sort of follow them together to uh, through the invasions of Algiers and Morocco and uh, and um, and uh, I've got the Oran and um, and uh, you know in in, his, in history the torch landings as landings go were kind of a cakewalk um, because the Germans just did not have enough forces on the ground to take advantage of all the ways that we screwed it up um, in godlike the Germans have talents and uh, as, as the players get to learn the, the talents on the ground are actually a lot heavier than they thought because North Africa, as it turns out, is a great vacation spot for a yes. hard-fighting talent with from the Soviet front, yeah. who's been fresh fighting on the Eastern Front and needs a break. <laughs> we'll so. send you to Africa. Nothing's going on there. We're almost got it locked down. <laughs> Nobody's invading there. Um, that would be stupid. Yeah. And so you sort of follow this campaign through the invasion and fighting through North Africa and some of its kind of hard and, and, and but heroic and then a couple of places are absolute nightmares and then uh, it kind of comes together with the, uh, the, 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 the big end cap is basically the Capsablanca conference that happened a couple of months after the landings where whoever's left of those two teams are the talents that, that, are, that are there to be useful so you get put in charge of security at the Casablanca conference protecting Churchill and Roosevelt. Um, Stal as, Stalin as, doesn't come. No, Stalin doesn't come to yeah. this one. So, but you get Churchill and Roosevelt together in the same yeah. room. So Wait, there are these talent people who can just look at me and I die? Perhaps. Yeah, but you also, I mean, you have the, the French leaders were there, um, yeah. and the French leaders were at each other's throats. Yeah. I mean, literally, Darla, Jean Darlan was assassinated a few months after, after all this happened because he was part of the Vichy yeah. um, infrastructure, and the Americans and the Allies <clears throat> basically wanted to attack fight the Vichy in order to get them to stop fighting and then take over and put the Vichy back in charge because they were already in charge. And yeah. they were assisted by a bunch of by a bunch of French resistance fighters who were largely communists and absolutely loathed the Vichy regime as fascists. And so we got assistance from a bunch of communist resistance fighters in North Africa and then promptly turned around and screwed them super, super, super hard. Oh. No corn dog left on this stick. <laughs> um, cool. And uh, yeah, so that's Torch. It's it's a fun campaign. We've been working on it for ages and ages and ages. About a year year and a half ago, when Alan was over uh, in town, I uh, got him to come over to my house, and I handed him my giant box of Torch research. <laughs> to take this. Lee, I can't look at it something. anymore. This is yours now. <laughs> really? Really, Shane? Can I have this? <laughs> yes, the only rule is you can't give it back. Alan, <laughs> Alan's still eager. We haven't broken Alan yet. He, yeah. Soon. Yes. Soon he's going to be feeling like the, you know, the Indians who got the pox-infested blanket. <laughs> oh, for me? <laughs> Thanks. It don't feel so good. Me and my so warm. <laughs> um, so, well, talents. Uh, oh, can I say one more thing on Godlike? You bet. Um, I have a, a nightmarishly long history book that I'm writing. Yeah. It's 180 pages, and Deflieger just arrived in New York. Um, and it's a complete time-life historical breakdown of 
talents in combat called there. It'll actually be a tin volume. Yeah, direct. it's called There Were Giants, and it's it's a historical breakdown as if talents were completely and utterly boring. And this is they're just examining their use in warfare. Um, so I hope to finish that sometime before I die. Um, we but, all hope that. But Dennis. I'm gonna put up. You know, I, I think I put up a hundred pages or so. Um, how how big would it be if I just continued through? It would be about a thousand pages. Uh, if, I, if I wanted to get to, to 1943, like a, a history book, you know, um, like right. today you can go to Barnes and Noble and get you know all these history books of this angle of the war, that yeah. angle of the war. So so you know, like that. that history the, 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 it, oh, it, the war. it it begins with De Flieger. Um, so the hit the first superhuman. It's all about superhumans in combat. Which is 1936. 1935-36. So it's about his first appearance and articles and then his invasion in Poland and then his tour of the United States and the FBI stealing his urine and all this other fun stuff. Um, uh, in, in the 30s, they're trying to figure out how he can fly and the, the British government being kind of overturned because they don't believe a man can fly and, and you know or be used in combat and they're humiliated. So... I'm about up to New York. He, he's wowing crowds in Madison Square Garden on a on a world tour, which Goebbels sets up and Hitler ruins in a single speech. Um, uh, How does Hitler ruin it in a single speech? I he, basic, he basically he basically got a spoiler that for. Oh us. yeah, no. So Go- Goebbels is smart enough to realize they need the he wants the weight of the world to follow Germany. They have this huge momentum. We've produced a superhuman based on our racial sciences, it's really hard to deny they may be on to something no one else can fly. He can fly. Look how um, blonde he is. And Goebbels sends him on a world tour to every major city and every major country which will take him. And he, he's a huge PR boon. He's the most famous man in the world. He's like Jesus and Elvis rolled into one times a million. Everybody wants to have sex with him. He's it. Um, and then Hitler basically turns around and gives his... Um, uh, his Unite Europa speech, which he really did, which is basically like, yeah, uh, th- there aren't countries in Europe. There's just space for Germans. Um, and everybody goes, what? So he's building up this kind of... Goebbels is pitching Germany as this idyllic, amazing place that's producing superhumans that doesn't have any... Th- we, we don't want to fight with the West. We love you guys. America's great. Um, and immediately follows it up with, we're going to invade all your allies and just wreck everything. Um, and that really happened. Um, and Goebbels tried to do very similar things. He was actually extremely clever with the 36 Olympics. He rounded up all the non, you know, like anybody who looked vaguely threatening, thrown the, threw them into prison, uh, sent secure, special security to defend uh, people who were from countries that had questionable relationships with Germany and went out of their way to put on kids' gloves and make it all great. Um, pushed out television and radio. Uh, television was just unheard of, but it was everywhere in, in Germany, in that city at that point, in the 36 Olympics. It was basically like, Germany's everything you wish your country was, and we did it all in six years. Um, and then it was all immediately ruined with the, the, the Nuremberg laws and you know, okay, well, Jews aren't people, and they can't be they can't be doctors, and they can't go to public parks, and you know, so it kept basically the Reich was endless. We're great. We screw all humanity. We're great. Screw all humanity. 
Um, I've been telling these very careful lies. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so that continues to go. Like anyway, um, it's 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 a it's written in a very time life esque. If you read any of the time life World War II books, it's written very much like that with newspaper articles and photographs. So I'll put the hundred pages or so back up at some point. Uh, I think it's 180 now or something like that. Um, and it's just, it keeps getting bigger. And so I, I don't know all, when I'll finish. Is it all illustrated? Uh, it's, some of it is. All right. What's going to happen with it? Oh, thank you. I don't know. I, 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 I have a full-time job, and uh, that takes up most of my time, so this is what I do for fun uh, when Delta, I have... And Delta Green. And Delta Green. Well, yeah, Shane. Shane keeps talking about Delta Green. I don't know what that is, really, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I uh, will. We'll bring you up. <laughs> what? I'm painting. You've seen the paintings. There's a lot of paintings. We've got a Delta Green seminar to talk about. Delta uh, um, but anyway, yeah, sorry. Uh, that's tomorrow night at seven. You, you guys will get. You're, you're going to get to play the game. So yeah, yeah. wild talents. Wild. Um, so wild talents. Um, wild talents, of course, Everybody was a spinoff from Godlike, and um, the wild talents happened because. We had tons of players who were playing Godlike and said, wow, this is super interesting and clever. I love how the how this plays. It's really distinctive and different. I want Great. it to be Stolte. totally different from this. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. Now change. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what, really, what really was the emphasis, we had a lot of people who loved the way it worked, but they wanted to play in other settings than just World War II. And of course, Godlike. Can we get something Godlike besides kind of unrelieved gloom and misery? Yeah, Godlike kind of, kind of coherent. But Dennis well. is like, why would you want that's that? That's the point. That's that's talk to Stolzi. There's a thing that delivered a play experience that really worked for World War II, and therefore, and, 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 you know, even though it kind of came together organically, it did it in a really, really effective way. So presenting that in other settings was a little more challenging than it, than it might have sounded. So with Wild Talents, essentially the whole purpose of Wild Talents was to sort of deconstruct the way Godlike worked and then give you all those pieces like Legos that you could then put back together however you want. Um, it was also one of the first times we ever went onto the internet, or anybody ever went onto the internet that I know of, to design a role-playing game by kind of committee. general committee. Yeah, it worked. What do you think, stranger? It worked well. Yeah. I mean, it, it was actually. It took a lot of time. Yeah, I but mean, it was, yeah. One of the things that I, I still find fascinating is comparing Wild Talents to Rain, mm-hmm. in that Rain was. Completely a one-man show, top-down, I have my vision and I will write everything and I don't have to wrangle freelancers or talk to anybody. And Wild Talents was completely bottom-up where you, you know started with the, the basis of Godlike and like, okay, well, well, this guy thinks we should do this and this and, yeah. it, it, you know, and it sort of cohered. And, uh, and I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Uh, you know, and, and but that uh, you know, it it has it's been a fascinating process to watch. Well, like the group the group system build on the web, I've only seen it done two other times, and they both ended in just unmitigated disaster where There's, nothing came of it. That, that's been happening in the last few years a lot with the really small press indie games. Right. Like there are a lot of indie game developers that are doing exactly that kind of thing and very open, transparent. So you see, design we did it first again. You know, Dungeon World is big about that. Uh, very. very big. We're leading the way. Yeah. Oh, we're just God, failing. That's awful. But we're leading the way. Um, we fail forward. 
<laughs> we didn't invent that, though. <laughs> so we did uh, the essential edition. Could that be our company, our company motto? <laughs> we fail forward. <laughs> Failing forwards in 2002. <laughs> so, um, so Wow Talents is the paperback version of the rules with a lot of all the setting stuff sort of hacked off. So it's just the rules. But you want you want Ken Heights stuff. You do. Yeah, and what it, what it lacks is Ken Heights yeah. chapter on which is just amazingly is cool. Yeah, it makes me shake and weep every time I read it and go, Why didn't I think of the Heights? Yeah. And uh, he usually you. hears me and calls me up. You um, win this round, Heights. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, where you live. Yeah. You'll never make a move, Deadwood. <laughs> Damn you. No, he's uh, amazing. And then uh, the Kerberos oh, Club was uh, Benjamin Baugh's second thing he did for us. I After think. Monsters, right? His first thing right. was Monsters and Other Childish Things. And then as, I was, as he and I were still developing monsters and other childish things we were kind of comparing notes and he said hey i have this other idea for a wild talents thing it's sort of in the in victorian london and i think it might be kind of cool have you and heard of this thing really called liking, steampunk yeah this is way before that so so you know and i was already really liking what he did for monsters so i told him well yeah put, yeah, put together what you have and send me we'll talk about it and then, you know, after Monstrous was this work of unparalleled genius from a nobody who had never written it. He's not a nobody. He was then. It's not unparalleled. Okay. <laughs> you are the most bitter man. That's why you're not bitter externally. You, you hide the bitter. If that's I, man, if I just that's, constantly swallow it and then throw it back up into my own yeah. mouth and if swallow it again. If he's not called Gentleman Monkey, we're really missing out on something. <laughs> I don't remember what his name is. Um, but no, Ben Baugh, uh, he always struck me as a very clever fellow yeah. in, in a very weird way. But now he, he has was, children. Yeah. So we've inflicted. Yeah. He's, he's done. He like, will be, we'll never ben see him again. He was heavily involved in those old um, discussions when we were first planning Wild Town. Yeah, he, he was, was amazing. He really active in the godlike mailing list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had really clear mechanical ideas. He was always very, yeah, Well, very and, you know, it's, it was... To, to you know, pitch my bit in again, again about uh, this was more true of monsters and other childish things. Really, um, is that you know, watching wild talents come together, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this this is the system was sort of my baby, but it's growing up now, and it's it's like watching your daughter date in high school. Yes. <laughs> okay, I this is not maybe the choice I would have made, but you know, it's. I'm 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 gonna be cool with it. She's gonna have sex. I just need to accept that. <laughs> and so yeah, monsters and other childish things. Those is like, guys. Yes. <laughs> Why him? <laughs> oh, how do you know? <laughs> yeah. Respect yourself. You're, you complex math. Why would you go with him? <laughs> um, you deserve better. No. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, monsters and other childish things was like, and she's married. Yeah. So yeah. No, Ben. Um, ben. That there are creative types that come in with a shotgun and just start shooting stuff, and they go, "What do you got?" And Ben plays Jenga, pulls a piece out, and like immediately puts in a better piece, which makes the thing more stable. And you're just like, "Holy shit! How did he come up with that?" And it works really well. Um, yeah. So I loved this. I remember reading this and just laughing. Yeah, because it was great. just so good. Yeah. Uh, the mechanical Turk is like one of the greatest right. characters ever made. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Kerberos, the, 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 the idea for the Kerberos Club is that you're playing these characters, superhuman characters, but they're 
in sort of a gentleman's club for superhumans, and that formed because it's Victorian London and superhumans are weird and strange and don't fit in the, the social strata anywhere really well, except this one place where they all come together, whatever their background, and they can all be accepted, and it's very egalitarian and, um, and bizarre, and so it's- Just let your freak flag fly <laughs> indoors. Yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> So um, it's, it's well, loads of fun. And it, uh, what I liked about Kerberos Club, and this will maybe show my, my uh, you know, interest in the, the broad picture, is how it starts out and it's like, oh yeah, weird stuff's really rare and it's really weird. And it takes you through, you know, the, time. the, the timeline is the weird stuff explodes yeah. until by the end of it it's like, but yeah, the weird stuff, that's just the new normal. Yeah. Shit's everywhere. Yeah, that's pretty much godlike. I mean... Or progenitors. It starts with with very little supernatural, and and then it kind of builds and builds and builds. Yeah. Um, And then this favorite land was Alan Goodall's first thing that he did for us. And this is an this is an unsung. I love this one. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's the Civil War for it's it's like godlike. Yeah, you tell people it's godlike in the Civil War, and they jokingly say, "Oh, so does it have rules for sawing off gangrenous limbs?" And you go, "Yeah, (laughs) yeah." Yeah. That's page one (laughs) thirty (laughs) five. Um, and I didn't even write it. That's the yeah. That's what makes me laugh. I'm like Alan. Alan's a good kid. I like him. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib, young man. He's he's pretty brutal. You, you can he's like what he, he, Yeah, he basically what he said. Want, he said to me the one time. He said if anything, an MG42 would do way more damage. <laughs> and I was like, you're all right. <laughs> so um, so yeah, but that's that's kind of that's you know if you know Godlike. You know the American Civil War. Um, that's, that's what this favorite land does. And um, the the background for it is the background for the supernatural stuff is different from from what it is in Godlike. But the the that's the thrust of it is it plays very kind of grimy and gritty and um, and it treats the subject matter, which is fairly difficult subject matter, in a way that's intelligent and respectful. Yeah, you know, there are no caricatures in the game, um, even though real in real life there were actually plenty of guys that were pretty damn caricaturish um, in that era. It's it's very it's very smart and it played really really. Effective. Shall we talk about the games that never happened? Uh, the other games we wanted to do. Do you remember? Oh man. Well, yeah, there was like Teenagers Plus. Yeah. But I still get ghosts. Ghosts, yeah, Ghosts was good. And uh, Invictus was the other one. Which was Invictus? Invictus, I wrote up a proposal. Basically, I read an article that said Roman generals would protect valuable resources, particularly cap, you know, uh, uh, effective fighters and or equipment by not writing them down. Um, And, you know, like at a particular battle, it was well known. There was all this siege equipment. There were all these generals. There were... Yet all the writing at the time doesn't report any of that. When it, you know, the Roman record of that is, we we have some of that, and it doesn't have any of it. And it's like, why? And there's a bunch of examinations. So the idea is, basically, when you're out in the wild and you're a Roman commander and you come upon something valuable, you never report it back to Rome. What you send back to Rome is, we need more men, 
and holy crap, they're all over the place. So this, 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 this it's, it's yeah. like the it's CIA. Vietnam. Yeah. It's like the C, the CIA in yeah. uh, the cold in in uh, yeah. the Cold War. It's so like, the, oh man, the, you would not believe how many missiles those Russians have. Yeah. Our, uh, yeah, so, uh, the, so the idea that is could basically possibly be a grain silo. Everyone knows they don't have grain. Like, it's all missiles. When when it, when the Roman Empire kind of starts to feel the rumblings of monotheism. Uh, the godlike entities start appearing among their ranks and among the foreigner ranks, and they're called Invictus. They're called the, the indefeatable, the perfect soldier. Um, and of course, no one reports them back. Um, and it's all about trading giant. They're called giants, basically locally. They're they're you know there's a, a biblical record of like you know angels hump someone and. You mean the so, yeah, the Nephilim. There were so, giants of yeah, the earth in those yeah. days. So basically, they're 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 kind of thrown in. And it's all about it's all about their own delusions, kind of warping who they are. You know, they think they're sons of gods, or um, but yeah, that was one game. And Teens Plus is a much more funny game. It's about like stealing beer, um, you know, with your teleportation power, um, or you know, uh, using your light bending power to sneak into the girls' locker room. Um, uh, it's it's the eighties. It, yeah, it's the eighties. It's the eighties, and superpowers are not only mundane; they're they guarantee you a really cushy job when you get out of school, uh, and all you have to do is go through a government-sponsored kind of uh, private school in one of four states. Um, and when you go through there, they don't care what you do, but you usually just end up in the private sector making 80 k a year in 1984. Um, so there's no super crime or anything like that. It's kind of pointless. Um, but it's all about surviving high school um, in a high school filled with superpowers. Uh, well, a little of that worked its way into Grim War. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I stole the bits I liked best and packed them in there. It's like, yeah, think of, think of, yeah. Mean, think of mean girls with heat vision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, but yeah, Grim War included uh, a superpower, a high school for super superpowered people yeah. as one of its factions. Grim War was all about the factions. Um, yes. It was, it was a little bit of a rainbow. Right yes. yeah. Well, the idea in Grim War is that if you look at, uh, you know, the Marvel comics that I grew up with, uh, you know, the mystic characters are always cool and respected, and, you know, Doctor Strange stalks down the streets of, uh, of yeah. Greenwich Village, and everyone's like, that's one cool cat. Yeah, that and the mutants... And the mutants are like, everyone's like, they are mistakes of nature and they are vile and I wish I had a pitchfork and a torch right now. Uh, and I'm like, well, what if you flip that around? And, uh, you know, that the, the source of superpowers and that there, and, you know, the, the setting is that there have always been mutants around who had the potential to develop these powers, but they almost never did because so many people in antiquity died really young and you know having your superpower develop is kind of like a second adolescence and it also requires a huge uh, biological investment so if you're kind of starving it will delay and not kick in and then you know a lot of people just never tried to fry anyone with heat power with heat vision <laughs> and never found out they had you gotta it. really want it is what you got it and so you know there are these sort of outlier reports but it's not till World War II that you know, it's it's confirmable, and the mass media has developed enough. It's like, oh no, yeah, we've got this guy. You can watch us bounce bullets off his chest. He's no shit invulnerable, yeah. and everyone's like, wow. 
those guys are great. They're going to win the war for us. And, and, you know, they're, they're just everyday guys like you and me, except they can fly, you know. And that's what I would be if I had those powers. I'd be just this regular Joe. And meanwhile, the mystics have always been around, too, making deals with uh, extraplanar entities for power and, you know, studying in order to achieve this power. And, you know, mostly they just kept it on the down low until the big theosophy thing. And they're like, you know what? I think people are ready. I think we can tell them the truth. And they tell them the truth. And then Hitler's sorceress Reich starts the war. And everyone's like, those fucking magicians are crazy. They just, <laughs> they just want, they, they're tampering with forces beyond their control. And, you know, you know the anti-intellectualism. There's just this elite that thinks they're better than us and they want to use their power to control us. It's like, okay, it's really, that's a really hard argument to defeat when you had Nazi summoners <laughs> fighting, doing this shit. So there is, you know, it's basically demons versus mutants, and mutants have all the good PR. <laughs> but you got to be born that way. Right. That's cool. So Rune War has, it, it includes, it includes sort of some things where you can incorporate the company rules from Rain to play out these factions in the big picture as well the, as... The extremely characters. cynical Directiva Null yeah. who, you know, uh, uh, who are left over from the uh, Soviet intelligence apparatchik and, uh, you know, they are so, uh, you know, jaded and degraded that it's like, yes, why do we fight for humanity? Because it is the side we have always been on. Why... <laughs> Why have I remained in Directiva Null? Because if I leave it, the British will kill me. <laughs> so that, that is the sum total of why I do these things. Um, we're, so we're actually at, at 12. We've okay. got the room until mm. potentially 1 if we want it. Well, but since we're at 12, I'm supposed to, we're supposed to have the talk about the yeah, better angel. We, we could make that an open meeting, but that might I want to go get sense. Yeah, because yeah. I want to see so, if it's here or not. How about this? Why don't we say, first of all, we get tickets from everybody who's got tickets, so I can say we actually had people here. And then um, if we've got actual questions to answer, we'll answer questions. Yeah. Because we've been, you know, it's been a couple of years since the last Wild Talent things came, thing came out because we've all been distracted by other things. But we've had monsters in the chunks. Greg did E-Collapse or Wild Talents. And, oh, E-Collapse. Um, is going is maybe maybe going to get its own web comic. Oh, huh? yeah. And then well, he did about that. this, which I love. Okay. Ah, progenitor. Which again, genius. now that now that we talk about the you know, okay, Godlike was the first one where you have oh, it's a little weird. That's kind of it's really weird. Weirds everywhere. This uh, or it was uh, you know, progenitor that this made that really explicit. Yeah. yeah, you know, here is exactly how that happens. Right. It's this is the superpowered AIDS epidemic. I, I hadn't realized how much I ripped that off from you. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I, I loved it. I this was great. I had uh, fun with we, it. I we did have some material online. That was a great scenario. Uh, that I, I did White Knight Black, uh, White Knight Black Horse. Is a, it, it was in the original Wild Talent book. As yeah, I remember. Book scenario. That was you the get, '70s one, right? You got to run so like, like, like deep bass music. Superhero. It's like the inner city kind of. With, so yeah, you're great. playing the superheroes who are like the inner city minority superheroes who nobody awesome. respects because you're in a city that has an official superhero team, you know, who have <laughs> the other guy. Yeah. So they're the NPCs that are that are constantly getting in your way and, and, and accusing you of getting in their way. Um, 
and you've got actual problems to deal with that they're not addressing because they're off saving the world. Yeah, their scale is completely different than yours. Yeah. They're like, we're redirecting you know, extra solar objects from smashing to Earth, and you're like, i got to stop this dealer on 9th and 15th. He's right. killing all these people. Yeah. And they're like, whatever, get out of the way, dude. I'm flying here. It was, uh, it was Captain Marvel, meet Luke Cage. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, and then of course Greg did Woodstock, which is also available online for Progenitor and the art. And, cool. Uh, and he did, yeah, he was did okay. the art too. So with Progenitor Woodstock is is really fun because you sort of start with you're at Woodstock and you've got to keep the crazy stuff from happening because you've got superheroes around. Um, and then, or Plan B, make the crazy stuff <laughs> so much worse. Um, so Blood of the Gods is online. Uh, Burn. Ruins is an adventure for Disfavored Land. Of course, we talked a little bit about monsters, but um, ah, Candlelight. Yeah, and uh, we don't have much time to go more into monsters or rain because we're out of time and we're already published. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. we're at 1515, so please come by yes. and ask, uh, ask for more stuff about what we're up to because we'll love to talk about it. and. There will not be anybody there stealing our booth from us like there was in the presentation today. <laughs> so let me get the tickets. And thank you very much, everybody, for coming and hearing us.